0: Boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, welcome back, Screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets banned. This is episode 19, no, 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 19, 19, and tonight, listen in horror as I fulfill one of my dark, secret desires and finally get to see the movie Visiting Hours. And then we're jetting off to the deep recesses of the Black Forest in Germany to join two lovers for dinner. Guess what they're having? dick. And not the way you think. That's right, we're watching Grim Love. Well, I don't know if it's Grim or not, but I love having you here with me for the next hour or so, so the fun is about to begin, so don't you go anywhere! Well, okay, you can go pee if you really need to, but aside from that, don't go anywhere! Okay? Yay! Christmas
1: comes on you as we humbly honor
0: Hi there, this is Patrick from the Scream Queens Horror Podcast. But... You already know that because you're listening right now. Well, I just want to take a moment to shamelessly plug myself. Not like that, you pigs, like this. I'm going to be performing with the New York City Gay Men's Chorus in their holiday spectacular, otherwise known as Sing Your Brass Off, which is going to be an evening of holiday fun and surprises for chorus and brass starring the incomparable Tony nominee and Emmy Award winning Liz Calloway. The evening will feature holiday favorites and an eclectic blend of choral music, a ...accompanied by a vibrant brass ensemble. From Big band to Bollywood. That's right, we're going Bollywood. We got glitter, we got finger cymbal thingies... Hell, we might even be riding elephants. I don't know yet. But regardless of what we're doing, this year's concert is going to blow the roof off of Town Hall. So on Sunday, December nineteenth, two 2010, I would be honored if you would join me and my chorus family at Town Hall, which is at 123 West 43rd Street, right here in New York City. we got two shows at 3 and 8 p.m. Now, I know a lot of you don't live in the area, but I know some of you might be coming in for the holidays, or you got relatives that live here. And what better gift than to give them tickets to see me and Liz Calloway. Tickets go from $40 to $80, but I was able to wrangle up a special discount for members of my Scream Queens family. So if you head on over to www.nycgmc.org, you can save 10% off your ticket purchase by using the code NYCGMCBRASS. brass so don't have an excuse. I want to see your brass at the concert. Happy Ho-Hos! idea what you've done to me this is all your fault i'm serious this is all because of you do you have anything to say for yourself do you even know what you did because of you scream queens has been nominated for a podcast award yay holy crap can you believe it thanks to all you guys coming out and voting i guess in droves scream queens is up for best glbt podcast Holy crap, when the phone call came, I thought it was a joke. I mean, little old me, I just started doing this, one a couple of months ago. And now I'm up against some of the titans in the industry and it is thanks to all y'all. And I could not be more grateful. This is amazing, this is very exciting. Especially when I learned the criteria that that everything gets screened for. Apparently, over 1.1 million people voted in the initial rounds and uh, something like 2,900 podcasts were reviewed or nominated. But I'm one of the top ones. Oh, my God. This is amazing. Although, like I said, I'm up against some really big wig, big wigs. I mean, I'm up against the Feast of Fun, for starters. And they win all the time. I mean, they've been at it for years. I think the show goes out almost daily. You know, and they've got all these people doing material for them. And they got big stars on the show all the time. and Oh, yeah, and then Dan Savage, his show is up, too, Savage Love Podcast. uh, He's the guy that came up with the It Gets Better project this year, you know, to help at-risk teens to prevent some um, bullying-related suicide. And, you know, personally for that, I think the man deserves a Nobel Prize, you know, a Nobel Peace Prize or something, because that was an amazing, amazing feat, and he deserves to win it as well. And it really is true what they say on those award shows. It really is an honor just to be nominated. But you know what? Fuck that. That's what I got to say. If I've learned one thing from doing this show, a scream queen does not roll over. Well, sometimes they do, but not like that is what I'm saying. Yeah, a scream queen doesn't get to the last reel of the movie by just letting the monster tromp all over them. No, she does not. She digs down deep. She pulls out every resource, and she kicks ass. And that's what we're going to do right here, right now, over the next two weeks. You guys got me this far, now it's up to you to bring Daddy home. Get Daddy the prize. I need everybody to head on over www.podcastawards.com and vote for me in the best GLBT category. And you know what? Between now and December 15th, you can vote once a day, every single day. You started this, now let's finish it. Am I crazy? Yes. Is this intimidating? Absolutely. But I gotta tell you, who always survives these movies, huh? Is it the young, virginal, fresh face? Or is it the popular, pretty prom queen types, hmm? That's right. And who's gonna be left standing at the end? This queen right here, that's who. Because y'all put me up in there and I'm gonna do y'all proud. I'm gonna get down and dirty and I'm gonna do everything I can to win this puppy because this might never happen again. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Are you excited? You better be excited, this is your fault. So I'm sure other things happen this week. Let me think. Oh, yeah. Let's um, see. Everybody's talking about The Walking Dead on AMC. You know, you turn on every other podcast and it's Blah, 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 Walking Dead. Blah, 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 Walking Dead. Blah, 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 Frank Darabont. Blah, 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 And you know what? If you want to hear some more gushing about The Walking Dead, I suggest you look elsewhere. Oh, it's not that I don't love the show. I do love the show. I think it's a brilliant piece of television. But I think enough other people are talking about it that I just don't need to add to the babble. I think everybody's saying what needs to be said. So I recommend if you want to listen to some really intelligent, comprehensive discussion and, and well, you know, fansturbation over The Walking Dead, I suggest you go over to uh, Mail Order Zombie and listen over there. Brother D is all on top of this topic, and he'll love to have you, and you tell him I sent you, okay? Okay. But I do want to say one thing about The Walking Dead before we go. That guy playing this, the, the deputy or whatever, the partner, the cop's partner, his name's Walsh, last name's Walsh. Let me tell you something, and I speak from experience. That guy is not a Walsh. With that nose alone, he's not a Walsh. But, you know, every Walsh I know can't even walk into the sun without bursting into, you know, third-degree burns. Much less have a swarthy complexion like that, man. That's all I'm saying. One little criticism. But aside from that, I really love the sense of loss and the emotion that's being packed into the show. It's what always is missing out of zombie movies for me. You know, I think the end of the world would be pretty distressing. I don't think it would be a party, and I don't think it would be kick-ass. So this rings true for me. Way to go, Frank Darabon. That's all the hummer you're getting from me, Frank. Oh, so, um, happy Hanukkah to all my Jewish listeners out there. Yeah, Hanukkah started on the first, which was also World AIDS Day. And, you know, I had to stop and give some uh, reflection this year, like I always do. And something different happened for me. Normally, I I think about all the people that I lost and, you know, memories and, you know, remember the really rough years. When, um, God, it seemed like you were being called about a funeral every week. And sometimes you were being called every week. And how far we've come. And all the people that I've lost along the way. And then my my focus shifted all on its own. And I started about thinking about all the people that are still here. You know, do the, the changes in medicines and overtime and treatment. and just All my friends that I still have. Who are living rich, wonderful lives. Doing incredible, creative things. And are healthy as horses. Thanks to the miracle of modern medicine. So that was my reflective thought for the day. Now let me tell you about what happened that night. Okay. That evening, Wednesday the 1st, I got an invitation to go to a Screen Actors Guild nomination committee screening of The Kids Are Alright. Now that just means uh, they select a certain number of uh, SAG members every year to figure out who's going to be up for the SAG Awards. When they come up before the Academy Awards and all that stuff. So they sent us to all these free screenings and send us tons and tons of DVDs. And they, we were going to see uh, The Kids Are Alright and have a talk back with Annette Benning, Julianne Moore, and Mark Ruffalo. This is not even remotely the point, because the movie's great and everything, actually it's fantastic, so far as the contender for me and the ones that I've seen, but I have to talk about what happened online, two things happened online. First of all, you have to get there early, because it's a free thing and they always over-invite, and you need to get a seat. So I get there early, it's raining, and they're making a stand outside, regardless of the fact that they have this jugundo lobby with nothing in it on the first floor, that's not the point. So I'm standing out in the rain, and there's these two women in front of me. One younger woman who apparently was on Smallville, from what I'm I, I heard, and there was also this older woman, and the, they were discussing some of the movies that they'd already seen and what their opinions of, of the um, possible nominations are. And the younger girl says, "Oh, I think the one I, I'm really leaning for this year is that movie called The King's Speech. That was really that was a really powerful piece." And the older woman. Who is so New York older woman, you know, with the smoky voice and the heavy mascara and rings and rings and rings. Anyway, the younger girl says, oh, I'm really after the King's Speech. And the older woman says, is that a foreign film? The younger woman says, um, yeah, it's a British film. And the older woman says, that means it's going to have subtitles. <sighs> I hate reading subtitles. Pardon me, ma'am, but you're an idiot. That's all I got to say about you. Anyway, I was... So I continue to wait on the line, and it's just about getting to the time where we're uh, going to be let in. And I notice this man walking down the street towards me, and he's looking up the line and sizing up the line, and he walks up to me, and I'm expecting him to ask what we're waiting in line for, because you get that all day. And I don't know why they always come up to me. I guess I just got that kind of a face. But um, he comes up to me and he goes, you've been waiting long, man? I'm like, uh, I don't know, like 45 minutes. And the older woman in front of me turns around and goes, actually, it's been closer to an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> And it's freezing. It was 65 degrees, not the point right now. And he goes, oh, man, oh, man, that is way too long to be waiting out here. Mm-mm, no way. And then he continues to stand there. Now, uh, in my opinion, the conversation was over. You can move along now. And he starts up and he's like, oh, man, who's
2: talking at the top back again?
0: Uh, and, uh, Julianne Moore, Mark Ruffalo? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, it's too cold to be standing out here. Still not leaving. And it starts to dawn on me, this guy's trying to cut the line. And like I said, these people have been standing out in the rain for quite some time. And it's going to be oversold. So a lot of them may not get in. This is not boding well with me. And just about this time, the line starts to move. They start letting us into the theater. And he just zooms right in behind me. And the people behind me said, Uh, excuse me. You were not in the line. You are cutting. And he's like, oh, no, 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 man. I'm waiting for someone. I'm with this guy pointing at me. And I'm like, uh, no." You are most definitely not. You're cutting in line. Is it? no, 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 no. I'm just, not. no. It's not like that. It's not like that. Making no effort to get off the line and is moving along with the line. Now the older woman chimes in. No, I have been here this whole time. And you, sir, have not been here. <laughs> I can't believe you. Filthy line cutting bastard. And the guy behind us, he starts in on the whole Norma Ray thing. He's all like, I can't believe you're doing this to your union brothers. You're duping. Screen Actors Guild brothers who are supposed to support each other. You're just going to cut them and leave them standing out in the rain. You're being that kind of a bastard. And he's just like, yeah, I'm not doing that. No, no, i I got a friend. i got I to just use the bathroom. I'm going to use the phone. And I like, oh, God. Okay. So we got to the door, and I totally faked him out. <laughs> the, the usher was standing there checking our sad cards. And I said, the guy behind me is cutting the line. And all the people around me joined in, like, yeah, uh, oh, yeah, he is, uh-huh, oh, yeah, he is, yeah, he is. And he's still finding like, sir, you're gonna have to stay on the side. He's like, no, no, I just gotta do this. Like, I just wanna get some popcorn, I just wanna do that. And he tries cutting the line a few more times just while I'm getting my ticket checked, trying to squeeze in on other people, and it's not going over. Anyway, I get into the movie theater. I have to use the restroom before it starts, so I you know, start heading across the lobby. And who do I see coming right at me? But our line cutting friend. And he gives me this big shit-eating smile and he goes, Thanks, man! I looked at him with my big shit-eating smile and said, You're welcome. But wait, this is the piece to resistance. All of a sudden he goes, Damn man, I can't believe you did that to me on the Rosa Parks anniversary. Making a black man move to the end of the line on the day that Rosa Parks was told to move to the back of the bus. And my jaw dropped so low that had I been on the escalator, my bottom lip would have gotten sucked in the gears. Oh no. Sir, you're an asshole. I cannot believe you just dragged Rosa Parks into this petty bullshit that you were trying to pull. If Rosa Parks saw you cutting into this line, in this situation, I am pretty sure that she would have hit you in the face with her purse, and you would have deserved it, sir! You're lucky you got into the movie theater, but you know what I hope? I hope your seat had bed bugs. Uh, I also want to say a huge thank you to the folks over at Kindertrauma.com, which if you haven't been over there, Trauma is a site dedicated to all the things that freaked you out as a kid. If it gave you nightmares as a kid, it's somewhere on there. What's great about that, you find a community of other people who are also terrified by that exact same thing. All of a sudden, there's no shame in it. You're like, oh my god, other people remember that stupid thing too. Oh my gosh. Anyway, somebody tipped me off that there was an article on there about the horrors of Snoopy Come Home. Which, if you were listening last week, was a huge flashback memory of mine. The deep, deep emotional scarring caused by the horror that a Snoopy come home. And it said almost everything that I said. Uh, thousands of children across the country left inconsolably sad, irreparably damaged. And they all agreed that the um, that fundamental friend dependability girl was a future serial killer. So, if you haven't checked out Kindertrauma.com, go right now. No, don't go right now. Listen to the show first. Then go and check them out and tell them I sent you. Okay. And lastly, and I swear to God, this is the last thing, Bradford and I went to the theater again. And this time we saw a little show up Broadway called Devil Boys from Beyond. And this was one of those deliriously fun downtown shows, which involved a whole lot of drag queens and a whole lot of sexy muscle men in their underpants. And it was a, a sci-fi spoof of those 1950s kind of movies, uh, alien invasion movies. Now, granted, i would be able to give you a much more concise and precise description of the story had Bradford and I not been seated next to the couple that we were seated next to because to see Bradford being of southern blood he could talk to anybody about anything and so I went to the bathroom and he came back and the two of them were fast friends him and the older one and they're just chatting away and chatting away and the next thing I know the older man had bought us both Long Island iced teas to drink during the show so again I'm drunk not right now but the show is a bit of a blur because the iced teas were really strong and all I remember was laughing a lot and that's really all that's important isn't it well, that and the memories of the beautiful, beautiful muscle boys in their underpants in the show, but come see, come saw. Well, the other thing would be to not accept cocktails from strange old men in the movie theater because you might get roofied, but when you get to a certain age, you're kind of hoping for that, but that is not the point right now. Unfortunately, it's one of those one of those um, shows where I could quote it as much as I want, but it wouldn't be funny out of context because it was the way that people delivered those lines and, and everything. And every, it, it just wouldn't work is what I'm saying, although I did learn a few important things. For instance, uh, when when a woman was presented with an alien baby in a jar, what she says to the person who who gave it to her, she goes, Oh, Norma, how many times have I told you that a mayonnaise jar is no place for your stillborn children? Okay, no taken. My other favorite moment came when they were checking into this, the only hotel in Lizard Lake, Florida, which is where the invasion was happening. And, you know, it's the the white trash woman checking them in. You know, cigarette and lipstick on the teeth and the big bouffant hair. And this is the drag queen, of course. And the drag queen playing the... The world-famous reporter, she's like, Ah, thank you so much, Rosa. I'll have my coffee and scones at nine tomorrow. To which the woman says, Well, all right. And I'll have rock Hudson eating my bald pussy at ten. Unfortunately, this was the closing performance of Devil Boy's From Beyond. I wish I had found it sooner, because I would have pimped the shit out of it on here. When I did some Googling for it, I saw it's playing in a whole lot of regional theaters around the country right now. It's playing in Phoenix. It's playing in Miami. I think it was somewhere outside of Chicago. If you're in the area, go check it out. It's a hell of a lot of fun. Tell them I sent you. They won't know who the fuck you're talking about, but you know what? I'll know. Oh, and by the way, if you go over to the webpage, I posted some pictures of the half-naked muscle man for your perusal. And now... Music for Ogling.
2: Welcome, Screamers, to the new segment of the show, where I'm going to reveal to you
0: dark obsessions (laughs) actually it's not as sordid or as creepy as it as it sounds you see i discovered something recently i discovered there's this whole category of films similar to the you know the stuff out of my childhood nightmare closet but things that i've never actually seen okay what the hell does that mean there are tv trailers that i remember um for movies and and posters and stuff from when I was a kid, of stuff that I was dying, dying, dying to see, but still have never gotten the opportunity for various reasons. Mostly because they never came on cable, or the cable station that I had when I was growing up, and I've never seen them in a video store for whatever reason. Until now, a whole slew of these dark obsessions have been fulfilled for me. So, I'm laying a whole bunch of them down for you, a little bit at a time, and it's going to be fun. We're going to start this thing out with Visiting Hours from 1982. Starring Lee Grant, Linda Pearl, William Shatner, and ugh, scary as hell, Michael Ironside.
2: In this hospital, your next visit may be your last. All visitors, please leave the hospital. Hmm? Ah! Dr. Len, Visiting hours so frightening, you may never recover. Starring Lee Grant, William Shatner, Linda Pearl.
0: Now, this was kind of a heist. They it, it, it kind of pushed this one off as a slasher, and it's really not. It's a thriller in a hospital. And you're saying, gosh, where have I seen one of these before? It was the same year as Halloween 2, I believe. So, you know, no harm, no foul. Clearly, they were in production at the same time. Now, I was surprised after watching this to find out that this was on the infamous British video nasties list. And I said, wow, I can't really imagine why. The violence wasn't that extreme. The thing that he does with his camera, which I'll tell you about later, is kind of creepy. But then I remembered there is a scene where he threatens um, this, I don't know if she's a hooker or just a, a hoe, you know, there is a difference, with a knife, you know, possibly raping her. And I guess that's kind of extreme for British people. And it turns out this hoe is this actress who was also in Happy Birthday to Me. She was one of the cool kids who doesn't get killed. But she does look like Chloe Sevigny. So she might wish she was dead. Did I say that? No, I didn't. I did, I did, I did, I did, though. Oh, my. Now, as I mentioned, the main star of this is Lee Grant. And genre people will probably most likely know Lee Grant as being Damien's second mom. Or actually, I guess, Damien's third mom, if you count the jackal. Anyway, she was the the mom, the red-headed mom in Damien Omen 2. And now she's in this. Anyway, she plays this high-profile TV journalist lady on the TV, you know? And she's covering this super-famous court case that's raging through the country right now about some woman who defended herself against her abusive husband, and now she's being charged with a crime, possibly getting jail time or something like that. It's really not important. She is on the side of the wife in this case. Unfortunately, this pisses off the studio custodian, who is Michael Ironside who is apparently really not fond of strong women at all, or possibly women in general. He shows up at her house, he kills her maid, he attacks her, she gets away, but is sent to the hospital with with numerous injuries, and from there on, the wackiness ensues. He is stalking her all around the hospital, killing people around her, and it's it's really not bad. I'd heard terrible things about this movie, which is why I never really sought it out, but it popped up on cable, and I sat down and watched it, and I had a great time you got to remember, though, it's 1982, so it's slow. There's not a lot of gore in it, so if you're watching it for that, you're not going to get it. However, you're going to get a terrifying performance from Michael Ironside, who, of course, is from Scanners and pretty much every really good Canadian horror movie. Just looking at him is scary. Now, I want you to picture this. Let me walk you through the scene where Lee Grant gets attacked in her home, you know, early on in the film. She comes home from work, and she's walking around the house, and she sees the maid hasn't cleaned anything up, and she's like, oh, my God! You're so fired. And she's yelling at the maid, who's not responding. And she hears water running in the shower. So she goes up and she's yelling at the maid in the shower. And I'm going, you let your maid take showers at your house? Okay. And if this is the maid's bedroom, it's really nice. But that's really not the point right now. There's nobody in the shower, she discovers. And she says, hmm, that's peculiar. And as she's turning to leave the bedroom... The curtains come flying open, and out pops Michael Ironside. Now, if you know what he looks like, his physical presence is terrifying, as it is. But now picture this. He's butt-ass naked, dripping wet, and covered in her jewelry. hes It's like he went through her jewelry box and put on every single piece of jewelry, but none of it he's wearing right. You know, he's got earrings in his nose, he's got a necklace on his head, he's got shit hanging from his lips, and it it's fucked up. Ah, oh, but just butt-ass, naked, jewelry-covered, Michael Ironside chasing you through your house. That's fucking scary as hell. Oh, he's got a knife. Naked man with a knife. Never good. Never good. Now, of course, the true horror of the scene lies in the fact that Mr. Ironside's character here is breaking a cardinal rule. As any good scream queen knows, if your mama taught you are well and your mama taught you are right, you know that you put on all the jewelry that you're planning to wear for the night and you take one piece off. Michael Ironside needed to take, like, seven pieces off. So the Scream Queen of me is going, <gasps> Girl. Without Michael Ironside in this movie, I, it would just be okay. But with him in it, it really kicks it up like three other levels. It's three other notches. It's really scary film. There's something about hospitals that freak me out anyway. You know, aside from being sterile and creepy and, um, you know, people come there to die. The thing that always bothers me about hospitals is that you can't lock your door. There's no locks on patient doors normally because, you know, if there's an emergency, the doctors need to get in. So you're kind of left wide open there. And this is, you know, pre-9-11 days where security isn't quite as tight. And there's a really good sense of cat and mouse in his pursuit of Lee Grant. The thing that's extra creepy about him, too, you find out all these little awful habits that he has when he kills. Like, he, he kills this old woman who's in the wrong room at the wrong time. You know, they switch Lee Grant out of her room and they put this old woman in there and he cuts her life support. He opens up the curtain to discover it's not her, but he's like, okay, that's all right. The woman's dying. You know, she's her breathing slowing and she's just staring at him with this terrified glance and he sits down on the bed really quietly and he's just looking at her and she's looking at him him with this, help me, help me sort of look and he's just sitting there very calmly looking at her and he takes out a camera and just starts taking close-up pictures of her face as she dies for what seems like four hours. I'm like, that is awful. You're an awful person, but that's his M.O. He'll take pictures of you while you're croaking. That's a bad man. It's a bad man. You know who else is a bad man? William Shatner. He's just hes just the Shatner in this. Fortunately or unfortunately, depending on your view of Shatner, he doesn't have a lot to do. He just kind of comes in and pooh poos Lee Grant every now and then like, oh, no, no, no. Nobody's stalking you. It's your imagination. I wish the wig he was wearing was my imagination, but it's not. It just, it's just it's awful, awful. The other familiar face in this, is for some of the older folks, is Linda Pearl. Linda Pearl was in everything TV-related in the 70s. He, she was on some of the last seasons of Happy Days. Uh, I think she married the Fonz, and I know she was the mother of the poltergeist girl on the show before she croaked. But yeah, she's in this, and she's a nurse, and for the most part, she looks really sickly. I'm like, she's a pretty girl, but they have her all washed out looking. But then finally, when she goes home to what I think might be a lesbian relationship, it's not clear if the woman that lives with her is her daughter or her girlfriend. Because let me just let me just spell this out for you. You know, she comes in, Linda Pearl comes into her bedroom, and she sits down, I think she starts to use the phone, and as she's using the phone, this woman or girl comes in, in a towel, all wet from the shower, and just throws herself in the bed and like cuddles up next to her, and she's like, oh, you're late again. So I'm thinking, girlfriend? But then they never mention anything about it, so I'm like, is daughter, is she that old? Is it her sister? I don't know. Maybe it's all of the above. Maybe it's her lesbian lover daughter, sister. But it's really not important out of the way because it's not a plot point. But you know, she gets home, she gets dressed up, and next thing she's got on her hot pants, she's got that 70s swoop in her hair. I'm like, there's Linda Pearl. There's Linda Pearl. The other thing that people might know Linda Pearl from, older folk, she was in that TV movie with Richard Thomas where they were both retarded. Hi, mother. I love you, mother. I'm a terrible person. But that was what she was famous for. She was famous for being retarded with Richard Thomas, where she should be famous for getting retarded with me because this is the place where people come to get retarded or something. Shut up. Anyway, so that was visiting hours. Just a little quickie look at visiting hours if you catch it. If you happen to see it on, I say catch it. If you if you're a hardcore horror fan, you might want to let it go by, but if you like a suspenseful little thriller with some horror elements, you're gonna have a good time. And if you don't, fuck you!
2: Mattel's new baby secret. She whispers just to you. turn
1: away.
2: Her lips really move. I want to tell you that. It's almost unbelievable. Get Mattel's new baby secret. So, you can have fun keeping secrets together. I do do have a secret to tell you, little baby secret doll. You promise you won't tell anybody? Okay. I have to apologize to you. Because I did a very, very bad thing. And I liked it. <laughs> I broke my promise to you. Oh, But it just felt so good. and I couldn't help myself.
0: Yeah, I watched another Fangoria Fright Fest movie. Sue me! I know, I know, I know. I promised I wasn't going to go there anymore because nothing was coming out of it except heartbreak and sorrow and some really funny podcast stories, but... I couldn't stop myself. And when I say I couldn't stop myself, I really mean I couldn't stop myself because, like, for months now since I made that promise, I've still been watching these movies. And I've been so ashamed of it. It's been ridiculous. I've been hiding the whole thing like it's, like, I don't know, like I'm a, a, an alcoholic hiding booze around the house or, or or some such or hiding the pornography under the bed or in the dildo drawer. I'd be watching him, and Mr. Brad would come in and be like, what are you watching? I thought I heard screaming. I'd be like, nothing! Nothing! I'm watching QVC! Yeah, but I thought I heard screaming. No, 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 they were just really excited about, um, this mop. And he'd go, "Mm mm-hmm, and turn on his heel and go back to doing what he was doing. Leaving me alone in my shame. But now it's time to just be up front and whip it all out. ooh. I keep thinking, maybe, maybe there's going to be something in here. And so far, all of them weren't worth reporting. None of them were worth embarrassing myself and going back on my word until now. Roadkill was okay, but it was too weird for its own good, and it didn't have an ending. Fragile was kind of boring. Had some really scary nudity, though. And the haunting... Well, it was in Spanish, and I think something got lost in translation. And if you didn't come out of Catholic school like yesterday, you probably would have no idea what was going on, because even I didn't know some of the Catholicism that they were referencing. But you know what? This isn't the point. I'm not talking about these movies. Because they weren't worth your time! And me making a fool of myself to you. So tell us, Patrick, what is this movie that was good enough to make you reveal your deep, dark secret to the entire world? Well, I'll tell you. It's a movie called Grim Love. And that's Grimm with two M's. You know, like the guys who wrote the fairy tales. As a matter of fact, in its own way, this, this movie is a fairy tale. Once upon a time, there were two little boys, just like you and me, in every single way. Until one day, some
2: very bad people did very bad things to the poor little boys. And hurt them very badly. Inside, where it doesn't show. And later, when the boys grew up... They turned out to be very bad people, too. In fact, they grew up to be
0: monsters. Booga, booga, booga! Let's listen to the trailer.
3: Is it wrong to want to find someone who can see inside of you, into the darkest corners of your heart, and still love you? On September 19th, 1998, Oliver Hartwin first made contact via the internet with Simon Grombeck. Ten days later, they met. Twelve hours later, Simon Grombeck was dead.
2: promise.
0: Now, you may have noticed I'm not covering this as a crapshoot film. Uh, For those of you who are listening for the first time, the crapshoot is a segment of the show where I dive headfirst into the vast sea of direct-to-DVD horror movie releases in search of that diamond in the shit pile, which is what I did for all these other Fangoria Fright Fest films that I covered. They were crapshoot films, but this floored me. This is a beautiful, incredibly disturbing film, and to put it in the crapshoot just doesn't seem fair. In fact, just the idea that this film was lumped in with absolute shit like Dark House and fucking Pig Hunt makes me angry because I almost didn't watch it. Granted, this is a tough film to get through, and not for the reasons that you think. If you see the trailer, which, I mean, you heard it, you might think it's going to be torture-porny, and it's not. This is actually a very intimate look at these two men and what's driving them to do what they do to each other. One, to give himself up. Well, actually, it- I'm getting ahead of myself because you guys don't even know the story at all. Uh, the main character here is Carrie Russell. You know, the girl who had the haircut that almost sunk the WB. Remember her? Carrie Russell is this criminal psychology student who is obsessed with this case the uh, infamous Hartwin gromback cannibal murder case. Now, it, you don't have to worry about spoilers here at all. Or oh, I should not have to worry about them, but you don't have to worry about me spoiling anything is what I'm trying to say because Carrie Russell's character tells you right at the beginning exactly what happens. Throughout the course of the film, you know exactly what's going to happen, in what order it's going to happen. So me telling you any details is not spoiling anything because you already know, and actually that's part of the horror, which I'll get into later. She tells us the basic details of this case. Um, Oliver Hartwin was placing ads on this cannibal website, the cannibal fetish website, looking for somebody to eat. And Simon Gronback answered the ad, and, like most of the people on the site, neither one were joking. And it went down. And this was actually based in a true case. Uh, the names have been changed. The details are somewhat changed, but this shit happened. Now, I've heard a lot of criticism of Carrie Russell's character here that she's really superfluous. And you should have just left her out and just dealt with the two men. And I see a couple of reasons why she's important. One is the reason I just said she tells you everything that happens right up front. So there are no surprises along the way. It's not about that. It's not about the exploitation factor here. It's more about this personal study of these two men and in a way that kind of braces you for what's to come. And also, it gives you a human link to the story because without her, you're just in the heads of the monsters and that might get too oppressive for a film. It might just be way too much for an audience to take. So she serves as a buffer. And also, the deeper she gets involved in the case, the more she she um researches it, the more obsessed she becomes and the more crazed herself she's becoming. Knowing what happens in this film gives it this odd feeling of destiny. You can't change anything. She can't change anything. What's going to happen is going to happen. It's fate. It's already been sealed, which adds to the horror for me anyway. And I said this movie's like a fairy tale and in a really sick way it is. For instance, we learn at one point that Oliver grew up and still lives in this area of the German forests which is right by where the Brothers Grimm lived and wrote all their works. They lived nearby in Kassel, the Brothers Grimm.
2: They looked out at the woods, and they saw things. Things most people couldn't see. Kind of like you and me. We don't have to talk.
0: Just being together is enough. You go back, and you meet both of these characters when they're boys. And both of them were really fucked up by their parents uh, in different ways. Simon, I believe, was caught playing doctor with the neighborhood boy. His mother freaked out couldn't deal with it and eventually killed yourself and he's dealt with this guilt all of his life and he's internalized it and he hates himself he hates his sexuality he hates life and even though he's got this fantastic handsome boyfriend who treats him like gold there's still this self-loathing that keeps getting stronger and stronger and stronger through the course of the movie uh so he's always looking at cannibal sites and seeking some rough trade sex for which he's got very specific instructions
2: Uh, 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 fight harder, harder. Uh, bite my thing. Bite my thing. Uh,
0: uh, uh, bite it off. Bite it off. Yeah, you heard that right. Bite my thing off. This poor guy has internalized all that self-loathing so much that he even wants to lose the part of himself that caused all the trouble in the first place. His wee wee. But of course that doesn't happen now because we know he's not gonna lose it to some trick. Thank you, Carrie Russell, for taking the suspense out of the scene. He's going to get that bitten off later. Now, Oliver, on the other hand, a psychotically overbearing mother, not Mrs. Bates style, but a different kind of more passive-aggressive sort of thing, that leaves him terrified of being alone. And he comes across, he, he develops this fantasy that the way to keep people with you forever, to keep them from leaving, is to make them a part of you. Eat them. And Carrie Russell introduces an idea early on in the movie that she says... Everybody looks at this case and goes, oh, my God, how many steps am I away from being that? How different am I from these two? What makes me different from these monsters? And she says, I think the real question is what makes us the same? And that's what this movie explores. It makes these two monsters very, very human. You understand everything that they're doing. And the connection between them, it crackles with intensity. I read somewhere someone made it, uh, um, someone equated it. It's almost no different than any Meg Ryan Romantic comedy thing where she meets the man of her dreams. and They live happily ever after because this is about two guys meeting the men of their dreams. A perfect match. There is a scene when Simon, the guy who wants to be eaten, has met with with Oliver. He's taken two bottles, uh, two entire bottles of cough medicine to dope himself up for the experience. And they're not taking. So he freaks out and wants to go home. And so Oliver drives him back to the train station. It's pouring rain. Simon gets out of the car and is walking to the train. Oliver gets out of the car and standing there in the rain, and he says,
2: I had this feeling earlier tonight, when you stepped off the train, that, yeah, we were meant for each other.
0: And honestly, all he had to do was hoist a boombox over his head, and he would have been John Cusack and say anything. And I'm sitting there watching the movie going, you go back to him! You get back in that car! That man wants you! He needs you! And I'm like, oh my god, what am I saying? But this is what the movie does to you. And when it finally gets down to the the big event, I found it really interesting that it's Simon who's driving the whole thing. Uh, I believe the gay term would be Pushy Bottom. He's the one who's telling Oliver what to do, making sure everything goes his way. He wants it to be perfect his way. Normally you would think the guy who was gonna be cooking and killing you would be in control, but it's not. Now through the course of this, Carrie Russell has been trying to find this almost mythical videotape of the of the murder. Well not the murder, but the whole procedure. I don't know what you would want to call it. It's the final link in the puzzle. She's desperate to see it. She needs to see it. It's eating away at every fiber of her being. And this is where this whole fairy tale thing comes back through again because in its way, this whole movie is about wish fulfillment, which is every fairy tale. Simon and Oliver both get their wish. It destroys Simon, literally. And Oliver was left unfulfilled. He was back on the internet looking for a replacement shortly afterwards. Now for Carrie Russell, she finally gets to see that videotape. She finally gets what she wants and it decimates her emotionally. She is broken at the end of this film. So be careful what you wish for, kids. You might just get it now i'd be remiss if i didn't discuss what happens on the videotape just a little bit surprisingly it's not graphic but it's so intimate it feels graphic and when i say intimate it's almost romantic because simon has somebody i mean oliver has somebody at the house earlier that he thought was going to be the one but it doesn't work out and he had him in this saw like basement you know all tiles and linoleum and chains and tubs and drains and hooks everywhere which is where he brings simon initially But when they come back from the train station, it's in the living room. It's candlelit. They eat his penis together. Yeah, he cooks it first, and then they eat it together. And, oh, God, it's just awful. But you you don't see any of this, but you don't need to see any of this. I cannot recommend this movie enough. I was horrified by what I saw, but also by what it made me feel. And take a really good, long, hard look at myself and say, Gosh, we are not so different, you and I, Mr. Cannibal Person and Mr. Podcaster Person. And that's some scary, scary, scary stuff. And I'm angry that they lumped this in with these other piles of shit that are in the Fangoria Fried Fest. But then again, had they not done that, I might not have seen it. So, uh, okay. But whatever, I did see it, and so should you. And you know what? To the people on IMTB who are bitching about all the gay sex in this movie, guess what? There isn't any. First of all, if you saw the trailer or you read the description of this, you know it's about a gay relationship. What the fuck is your problem? And second of all, the only male intimacy that happens in this film is a little bit of kissing between Simon and his gorgeous bartender boyfriend. And that's like one smooch and maybe five seconds of mm. That's it. There is no other sex. Granted, this whole end scene when they finally meet feels like sex. It's so sexually charged, but it's not sex that they're after. It's something even more intimate than sex. And I think this is an important film, and I say go see it. That is my word, and my word is the word. You see that, Mr. Brad? I got all intellectual with them and they totally forget that I lied to them and went much more Fangoria Fred Fest films. <laughs> what a bunch of idiots. Oh my god, the mic's still on! <laughs> Before i dive into the voicemail here i just wanted to deal with i did have one email that i wanted to address and that email is from my friend chuck out in oklahoma city one of the first people to contact me here on the show and chuck says hey patrick i'm continuing to love 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 the show more and more every week thank you chuck i love all the loves and i've even got some of my horror snob friends listening to you oh that's awesome uh, but I'm writing to tell you about something that happened over Thanksgiving weekend that I think you'll appreciate. So, I'm at the family get-together, and I'm watching my sister's kids while she runs out to the market. Uh-oh. They're two boys, 6 and 10, and we're playing Mario Karts on the Wii when the older one asks me what I went as for Halloween. When I told them that I went as Freddy Krueger, they didn't know who he was. Shameful, I know. Yeah, it's really fucking shameful, Chuck. Your sister ought to be ashamed. God. Uh, anyway, back to the email. So, I told them the basic legend. You know, how he was a serial child murderer who came back for revenge against the people who killed them by stalking their children in their dreams. I didn't tell them the plot of the movies or anything, just the basic facts about the unstoppable boogeyman who kills you when you sleep. Anyway, I got a call from my sister a few days later, bitching me out for scaring the kids half to death. Evidently, the boys kept her and her husband up most of the night, shrieking on and on about how Freddy was under the bed or clawing at the window. Instantly, Patrick, I thought of you. Love, Chuck. Oh, my God, Chuck. Oh, my God. I love this story. <laughs> way to go, baby. Way to go. Plant the seeds to make them scream queens of the future. That sounded perverted, but you know what? It's not. It's just creepy. But not in a perverse kind of way. Either way, God, there's no way to size this up without sounding like a complete prevert except to say, Chuck, for doing what you did. For giving your nephews nightmares for days. You, Chuck, from Oklahoma City, are the Scream Queen of the Week. Yay, yay, bravo, bravo, bravissimo. No goddamn tiara for you, though. I don't care if it's the Christmas season. Nobody gets the tiara. It's mine. You're going to have to do a lot more than scary nephews to get this off my head, bitch. Congratulations! Greetings, Patrick. Kauf Neil Neil here, calling in with a couple of thoughts. Uh, Neil! Thought one. Yay!
1: No, italicized and bold, if you will. Please underline. Okay. I still uh-huh. hate Saw. Never <laughs> did like it. Still don't. I don't care how old it is.
2: Ooh, thought stand two. firm, baby. Important. I'm sorry.
1: See, I'm I'm a bad human being. I haven't been listening to Screen Queens. <gasps> and I just started. So I'll try to do the proper penance, and uh, please forgive me. And thought three. I really liked your thoughts to Zombart about how there's too much negativity. Yep. So I will yep. try not to yep. hate Christmas. Anyway, enjoy the show. We'll talk to you later.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa. Step back, girl. Just a second. Honey, if you wanna hate Christmas, you go right ahead and hate Christ Christmas Christmas. If you <laughs> let me try that again. <laughs> Neil, if you want to hate Christmas, go on and hate Christmas if that's what you really feel. Because I kind of find with this internet negativity thing, it's not really what you feel. You're being negative for the sake of being negative. Maybe after a while that is what you feel. Maybe you do feel negative about everything. But if you really hate Christmas, fucking hate Christmas. I've been hearing the goddamn holly and the ivy since motherfucking August. Hate it. Hate it with all your heart, baby. And for soft, hate it. I get it. I only like the first one. I completely get it. Zombart, you can love it. That's fine. I'm, I don't judge people for what they like normally. But um, I'm sure you have a hundred logical reasons why you hate that series. And you'd be more than happy to bore us all with them like Zombart does. And um, <laughs> do you want to hear Does anyone else want to hear it? I don't want to hear it. But, uh, <laughs> oh, wait, Neil. There is no need for you to apologize for just catching up. With all the back episodes of *Scream Queens*, honey, your house has been underwater for how long? You get a pass, girl. You got a pass. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Neal has had some major, 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 major flooding in his area, and his house was well, it, like Atlantis for a while, but without all the sexy mer people. I don't know. Were there sexy mer people? Because that would have been cool. I'm sure he would have twittered about that anyway i'm glad you're finally joining us there's no such thing as being too late to this party as long as you bring gifts and refills on the cocktails okay love you neil glad you're back and um moving on oh hey hey patrick this is metal
3: mikey going hey, in to scream queens and i'm late for the sweet 16 party i Aww. mean did i miss any cake did I not get any cake left over for me from the Sweet 16 episode party?
1: Yeah. Oh, kind of well.
3: Want it. I probably can't eat it right now. I figured I'd call you before I indulge in a lot of pain and misery tomorrow. I hate going to the dentist. Well, let listen to ew, episode ew, 16 ew, ew. this week. I'm going to listen to episode 17 and 18 soon. Really, I'll get to it. So Take first time, off, you know time. what? Your Sweet 16 party sounded most awesome for the episode. And, huh. This kind of brings up a conundrum now I think about it with your last uh, horror I mean haunted house description although I probably did give away my mispronunciation of horror there as well.
0: It's okay everybody's doing it everybody's doing
3: it. You might need to have a bomb diffusal expert with you constantly because I think they may be the only ones that will be able to handle exploding vaginas. And I'll just say this: I'm not a very spiteful person, but some of my recent dates, I'm pretty sure, they should suffer some exploding vagina for the crappy way they treated me. But I'm not bitter at all. Cut the no, blue wire. Not Cut the blue at all. Wire. In fact, this episode was just rich with like vaginal horror because you had to bring up this disturbing image of Joan Crawford's vagina having her eyebrows. Oh uh, God, Patrick, man, really. Really, Wait, you, uh, you hit a brother on, right below hold on, hold on. the belt. And when that happens in that context, the, the below the belt doesn't even want to think about vaginas at that point anymore. Oh, well. But, as always, <laughs> many chuckles <laughs> were yeah, had, and I didn't really have anything to say about the content because, hey, I enjoy your haunted-out subscriptions, and there's probably never a chance in hell I'm going to see Skyline anyways.
2: I don't do know. I do.
3: It's like, for one thing, I am interested in alien invasion movies. I want to see like innovative monsters, but do I really want to put uh-huh. up all the human character bullshit in it? Unless they get killed off in really nice, gory ways, probably not. Yep. Uh, <laughs> as always, humorous. Patrick, you're doing excellent. Take it easy, and I will get to you again sometime soon, all right? Take care, my Yay! friend.
0: Bye. <laughs> you too. Mikey Bubula, thank you as always for calling in. Listen, I'm sorry about these dating experiences of yours that you would actually wish an exploding vagina upon them because let me get something straight. Or not so straight, depending on how you look at it. Even though as a gay man, I'm not particularly fond of the vagina, I have no problems with the vagina as a concept. I don't hate the people who have them. I don't think that anybody deserves to have their vagina explode, theoretically. Especially not in a sea of maggots or other juicy, chunky secretions and such. But, um, however, I find it more interesting that I keep running into this in horror directed by straight people. So, okay, I'm looking at you straight guys. You keep saying, I don't like the vagina. I'd say you have more fears of the vagina than I do. You're the ones who keep putting out these horrific images of them and worry that they have teeth and such. Ha 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 ha! Take that. I can't help it if they just explode around me. It's just something that happens. It's it's apparently my lot in life. And you know what? I said nothing about Joan Crawford's eyebrows, you know, hovering above her vagina. I did not say that. I said they were over her private parts, which could have been any number of things. They could have. She could have had them hovering up over nipple, like them going up and down, like winking. Or maybe go up. was going one, like cocking one eyebrow over the nipple, like. They could have been. They could have been over her butts. She could have eyebrows on her butts. They did not just need to be in her vagina. I cannot believe I'm having this conversation, Mikey. This is absolutely ridiculous. I love you. Next call. Hey, Patrick, it's your
1: favorite long-winded pain in the ass, Zombart with his a Z, uh, give me a call. Um, I didn't really have anything horror-related to talk about, but I have a question that was in my mind. But I'm still going to talk for seven it minutes. It is kind of GLBT-related, so I figure as a new spokesperson, and frankly, one of my favorite lad who fancies the lads, I thought I'd run it by you and see what your thoughts are. Um, You're wrong.
0: I was no. watching
1: no, sh- uh, Kids in the Hall the other day, Uh and Scott Thompson was on there, and he does his buddy Cole routine, and he's kind of on there as, um, well, obviously you know who he is and everything, Uh, Uh but he was talking about uh, angry comedians, and that um, Andrew Dice Clay and Eddie Murphy were renownedly anti-homosexual. Now, I know Dice Clay is kind of an idiot, and he's probably still that way, but I didn't know if Eddie Murphy was. I didn't realize he was. Uh, so mm, yeah, violently yeah. Uh, anti-gay um, and then just later on I was listening to the radio on uh, the Raw Dog where they have the stand-up comedy and he, they played his routine where he was talking about Mr. T and yeah he was he Either used the, the uh, S the, the dash 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 I forgot how many dashes I put in there but he used the word uh, a lot and I was like oh well I guess just really back in the faggot. day he really was and it just never occurred to me, because I guess I was too young at the time, to realize. Um, so I'm guessing I'm asking, in the years that have passed, has the gay community forgiven Eddie Murphy? Or is he still like, you know, the Hanoi Adam, Eddie Murphy, the Hanoi Ed of the straight world, and that, you know, he's hated and hated, and I wasn't aware. I mean, I do believe he did get caught with a, uh, uh, a transsexual at one time. I don't know what the hey. proper... Anymore. Yeah, just the I one? I it was transgender or something like that. Oh, well, who um, cares? So I, I'm just no going to say transsexual. I'll just say the entire thing. So I don't know, I don't, I don't know the slang. Um, but was that like his, like his outing and saying, oh, maybe if he's bi, maybe that's why he was so angry before? Or uh, I, why, I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, right, I guess I was just I was just curious because it just something that popped into my head, and I was like, oh, I guess I don't know. So I'm going to find out. And to keep it a little bit horror-related, what do you think of Vampire in Brooklyn? Uh, What do you think of the Haunted Mansion Disney movie? And uh, what did you think of Chubby Rain? Because I think he was in Bowfinger, right? That was supposed to be a horror movie. So, yeah, there it is. I'll talk to you later. Toodles. Bye.
0: I don't know about the rest of you all, but I'm always very tickled when straight men call into my show and sign off with Toodles! Are you just placating me or are you just letting something out that you just can't do anywhere else? Either way, I don't care. It amuses me. I'm sure it amuses everybody else. That was an interesting call, Zombart. Good Lord, is it April Fool's Day? Is it Armageddon? No, I'm just kidding. You know I love you. Um, Yeah, uh, Eddie Murphy and Andrew Dice Clay, homophobic. No big surprise there. Um, When there was a the huge backlash against both of them, I was really not on the scene much, I was, you know, in junior high and high school, I do remember there was a lot of backlash against both of them. Um, and looking at the material, yeah, there, there's some homophobic stuff. A lot of it washed off my back, but there's some age jokes in both of there that's that's never funny. Um, well, it can be, but it depends how it's handled, and neither of these were handled well. I mean, I I like the Mr. T routine, personally. I love the Ed Norton routine. Hey, Norton! How would you like to fuck me up the ass? Sorry, got a visual. Anyway, I, I but it offended a lot of people, and I, I don't know how long that hate bubbled, because I, I don't hold on to that stuff, really, unless you've done some damage. And I would say that karma caught up with Mr. Murphy. And you're right, you know, a lot of people who are scream the loudest against the gay community, the gay lifestyle, have something to hide. And... Aside from getting caught with tranny hookers, which I don't care what the politically correct term is, a tranny hooker is a tranny hooker, and it's just more fun to say. And I'm sure any tranny hooker is not going to deny you the fact that she's a tranny hooker. But um, aside from that, he's cursed himself with a slew of some of the worst movies ever made. And I, never, I only saw half of Vampire in Brooklyn, and I thought it was okay, but it wasn't good enough to make me go back and watch the rest of it. And the haunted mansion, girl. I love myself too much to be watching that movie. I respect myself too much, and I like the ride too much. I don't need to have the ride tainted in my memory or in my my medulla oblongata or anything like that by whatever crap that they were spewing out. I always find it interesting this weird path that the most filthy comedians, all of them, seem to go on. I mean, all the greatest comedians seem to go on this downward spiral where all they do is children's stuff after a while. They go from the biggest potty mouths to Disney, and I, I don't get it. I don't get it. And Bowfinger was a great movie. You know, he has his glimmers of greatness, but not when he's the sole lead. I mean, that was an ensemble movie, and uh, Dreamgirls got the Oscar for that, and he wasn't the star. And he probably only did that movie because all the girls in their dream girls outfits, they looked like tranny hookers. That's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. Thank you for calling in, Zombart. This was a refreshingly brief and interesting call. Who are you, and what have you done with Zombart? And is there video footage? Ew. Alright, as you and I both know, when I've come to the point where I'm making innuendos about Zombart, it is time for me to wrap this puppy up. Now, if you want to be like all these cool people that contacted me here at the show, you can always drop me an email at crew at screamqueens.com. That's Queens with a Z. You can call me at 347-767-3509. You can like me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. You can friend me on the Xbox. Red Menace NYC, all lowercase. So things are kind of slow here in the horror world for the next couple of weeks through the holidays, but I do have a few things that I'm planning on doing, so if you want to play along at home, in the next few weeks I know I'm going to be taking a look at Burnt Offerings, which is available on Netflix Instant Watch, starring uh, starring, um, Karen Black and Betty Davis, and since it's Christmas, I have to cover my favorite scary movie of all time, Black Christmas. Not the goddamn remake, the original. I think it's also time for me to look into the world of our lesbolicious sisters out there and watch the lesbian slasher movie Make-A-Wish, also available on Instant Watch. Well, whether you play along at home or you just play with yourself out in public somewhere, I'm going to be glad to have you back here on the show. So until next time, continue to make the world a freakier place to live in. And remember, as my grandmama used to say, Peace on Earth, good will toward man." What a crock of shit. Five.
2: I got hunting for witches. Heads of calories are all.